before I get this episode started, I just want to say thank you for your patience because we've not been able to get many episodes out due to being on lockdown and the restrictions that came with it. This is starting to change. Uh, This episode is myself, John and Larissa. We did it digitally and we have the studio back up and running. We should be able to meet up in the studio in the next couple of days and over the coming weeks with no problem. So we're, we're back. I have read your emails. I got about 20 emails while we were off and I will answer those on air at some point over the next few weeks because a lot of them were more questions about like how I feel about stuff um, and video game questions and I will get round to those and what I'll do is I'll do them with the guys so that we can all answer your question. So again, thanks for that. Thanks for your patience. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you have a great day, great evening great weekend wherever you are in the world it could be it could be the weekend so whatever it is unless it's a you know unless it's a funeral or something maybe that won't be so great but at least you have this to listen to so you know chin up welcome to this guy's sick i am sam valentine and today i'm being joined by chocolate titties himself john mcmahon what's going on people and we got a very special guest on here today. I sent John, basically, I said to him, email around, you know, all these people we like and we know, and get us a third man, you know, like Hulk Hogan in the NWO. Mm-hmm. Get us a third man. And I know you would like, you know, you'd gone out to like, you know, Justin Wang, you'd spoke to some actors, and you spoke to like uh, all these like famous people. So tell us, John, which one of these brilliant famous people did you get to come on this week? None other than the uh, creme de la creme. As we say in the industry, the cream always rises to the top. And we have uh, the very illustrious, very lovely uh, Larissa Petkovich is the third man today. So what's going on, Larissa? How are you feeling today? As a man, I'm feeling pretty good today, actually. All right, that's good. And we got an important topic. Why are Square Enix, the way they are now in comparison to how they were in the 90s and even early to mid-2000s, before we came on air, John said that they've had some sort of a, like a personality crisis, an identity crisis. And I think that's a perfect way to sum that up. Explain what you mean by, you know, the sort of personality identity crisis going on with Square Enix. Well, I think it would be no more obvious uh, than if you had watched the most recent uh, Square Enix presentation. Uh, what was that? Last weekend? No, last Thursday. I think it was, and the first Mm -hmm. game out of the gate was another, it was basically a Destiny or Destiny 2 knockoff, and then we had, you know, the likes of, like, the Marvel Avengers stuff, then we had Life is Strange 3, Living Colors, yay! I mean, the game, the presentation for the game looked like a, uh, it looked like an advertisement for some digital art school or some shit like that, like Full Sail University. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fucking Lincoln Tech or some shit. And then at the very end, we got a tiny little brief glimpse of uh, a title that's being uh, run by Luminous Productions, which is essentially the toxic runoff from everything that came of Tabata and Final Fantasy XV and his side of the Square Enix projects. Uh, And we didn't even really get much about that. So none of this shit is anywhere in the same uh, ballpark or level of Final Fantasy, even Dragon Quest, uh, near none of this is like Chrono Trigger. None of none of this is like the golden age of say Squaresoft when they were coming out with Chrono Trigger. 
when they were yeah. coming out with Parasite Eve, yeah. when they were coming out with Brave Fencer Musashi, uh, Air Guys, God Bless the Ring. None of this is has anything to do with that. So it's like it's all it's like they don't know what they want to be. It's like all real creativity has ceased, and they're just trying to push what they think people want to buy, especially people in the West, which they've proven they're out of touch as far as that goes. So it's an identity crisis. They used to be a cornerstone of the JRPG market. And they are clearly not anymore. You know, that kind of goes to Atlas. In, in modern era, I mean, when I think JRPGs, I'm thinking Atlas or, or Sega, which own Atlas, and they make Yakuza and stuff. And I think of that when I think of JRPGs now, when, let's face it, JRP, Square Enix have been the face of JRPGs for 20, 20 odd, 30 odd years. And within the last 10, that's definitely changed and shifted to more of like a bog standard AAA gaming company uh, that pumps out Ubisoft style bullshit. A publisher, really, is what they seem to want to transition to. Like the artistic vision of the company seems to be non existent at this point. And one thing I was thinking, obviously, before we came on here, and I'll, I'll ask Larissa this, because I know when it comes to Square Enix, you're like a huge fan of Final Fantasy VIII. And obviously, a lot mm -hmm. of people consider that eight, that, that PlayStation era, you know, seven through to nine. And then I guess you can put 10 on there because it was PlayStation 2. Like that, mm -hmm. that era of them to be them at their best and then delivering just quality after quality after quality. And if you actually look, especially at the PlayStation titles they had, um, you know, with Chrono Cross, Xena Gears, like they really published a lot of stuff along with the Final Fantasies. They they were just like pushing the boundary and doing it. What do you think is the main difference between Square Enix of old and now? Well, Square Enix of old, um, I mean, it was like, you know, you and John had mentioned we had Final Fantasy, we had Dragon Quest. So it's Kingdom Hearts, Square Enix, or Squaresoft. Started as Squaresoft. So okay, Dragon yeah, Quest was Enix, Enix but <laughs> Kingdom Hearts even right. is another good example because that's another... It's much more of a fucking mess as it is, but yeah. I mean, it's I a mean... mess, but they were at their creative peak kind of with that. Right? Well, not the peak, but that was some out-of-the-box shit for Squaresoft to be doing at the time. Right, especially with a big, you know, um, with a big name like Disney and everything. But I go over time, I agree with John on the, on the identity crisis thing because... You know, they've fucking dropped in sales and things like that because they're not necessarily releasing anything that's, like, quote-unquote good. You know what I mean? Like, they're just kind of coming out with stuff now where they'll try to do, like, the Square Enix Presents and, you know, you're watching it and you're just like, it's like, eh, eh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look into that. And it's, it's kind of just, like, dragged down. They kind of lost that vision. Right, yeah. Even like how you mentioned um Nier. Not too long ago I was watching um the playthrough for the first uh Dragon Guard, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Which is like the same universe as Nier, right? Yep. Yeah, so even like and that was that seemed like it was a pretty cool game. I wish I had owned it and stuff. And then they have, you know, Life is Strange now, which I mentioned earlier that I'm into because it's just is my kind of thing i like the the decision making games and whatnot also i feel like tried to 
hard time things that are extra and keep it alive. Things like on the DS, you know, there's theater rhythm. They're putting, uh, you know, seven and eight are maybe nine too, I think, are like on the Switch and everything. And They seem to know as much as they don't want to admit it, they're the Final Fantasy company. That's what they're always going to be known as. They are the Final Fantasy company. That's who Square Enix are. Yeah, and then, like, to just finish off, like, what I was saying, like, as of late, you know, they're releasing, other than the 7 remake, because that's obviously a really big thing. You know, like, they've just released um, the remastered 8 on mobile and stuff, which, I mean, yeah, cool, but, you know, if I want to play 8, I'm going to off my ps1 or ps2 and and play it or something but you know like, i'm not gonna yeah i hear you but it's like even look at look at what look at all the stuff they're coming out with it's these re-releases and these ports of what the golden era of squaresoft when they yeah. were at that creative peak i mean like i really think that this identity crisis goes all the way back to where uh all the way back to when squaresoft and enix first merged and the circumstances under which they merged which was to my understanding squaresoft was bleeding money and looking at uh, rapidly approaching bankruptcy because of some bad business decisions that were made uh too much money uh was spent doing dumb shit like um what were they doing they were like trying to patent the virtual actress for the spirits within movie yeah. and they lost a ton of money just on that movie and that whole endeavor itself um so they merged with enix who were their competitors before that enix had a reason to compete with square and square had a reason to compete with enix so they were forced to come out with just better product that pushed them and then when these two cornerstones of the market came together uh they didn't have to do that so much anymore not only that but when they came together they developed an entirely new uh business strategy and part of that strategy was um, trying to do less and make more. So, like, one of the results of that would be, say, a lot of what we got in the Final Fantasy VII compilation, like Crisis Core, uh, or, say, like Final Fantasy X-2. Uh, they just took all the assets from Final Fantasy X, flipped it, wrote some bullshit story, uh, and just put that out there. Like there was no more like heart in it, no more soul in it. But now um, those mm -hmm. threads that were starting to be wove, woven then have now started to reach this point where it's it's not even cohesive or coherent anymore. Like we're getting just knockoffs of everything else that's in the market and there's no more of that, uh, there's no more of that spark. There's no more of that heart that drew us to the company or the respective companies back when we were young. If, if someone had told you 20 years ago that Square Enix or Squaresoft had signed a deal with Marvel to make a game, people would have been excited for it 20 years ago. People would have been like, oh, it's going to be an RPG. They're going to do like a turn-based Marvel. This is going to be fucking awesome. I, I can't wait. Then you look at that Avengers game they put out, which is dog shit, which no one is playing, which people have given up on because... It's a live service. It's Anthem. It's just fucking Anthem right. as the Avengers made by Square Enix. They're still trying to like pump out content and like they're going to lose more money on it. They've already lost a ton of money on the game. They're going to lose more money on this, but they're still trudging it out and they're still like beating at it because they go, but 
but the, the movies make billions. Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And the reason it's not working is because they don't know what the fuck they're doing because rather than innovate, they're just copying other people. Right. That's not their um, market. No. Like it really never has been. No, it's not. And it's like, like it's, it's missing that spark. Like, in a sense, it's, it, it feels like it's they're missing like just originality at this point, if that makes any sense. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. something genuine, something that you haven't quite seen yet. It's you know, thus the you know, hey, let's, you know, remaster this game, let's revamp this one, let's put this one on DS, let's put this one on the Switch, et cetera, et cetera. Milking what worked while producing new stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, did the Merger happened around like 2003 or so. I think it was exactly in 03. Yeah. To like sidetrack for one second. I mean, this is, uh, it's not specifically a Square Enix problem. This is something that you see a lot of players in the industry do. Like look at Konami, for example. Yeah. Uh, Hideo Kojima, regardless of his contributions right regardless of how legendary the man was basically in this market was uh put into the shadow of a guy who made mobile games because yep. those mobile games made the company more money see the thing is it's always been about money to the uh it's always been about the bottom line to the people who run these companies it just so happened that when we were growing up in the 90s and even the very early 2000s uh, in order to meet that bottom line, you had to come out with something. And you do not have to do that anymore. You can put some bullshit uh, on on your mobile device, your tablet, or your phone, uh, and just require that you spend a couple bucks every week in order to unlock more features, and you will make money hand over fist. When we look at like when we look at it, because obviously Avengers is a huge one. That's why why they've made this game. They've made this game so that you buy new skins and new fucking abilities and new characters and all that stuff. Mm. And that's like, oh, that's not a mobile game. And obviously Square Enix mm. mobile games are just fucking gacha bullshit, all of them, right? Mm -hmm. The weird thing is, when I look at it and you think about what have been the most popular of those sort of games, mobile games, over the past few years, like Among Us or Fall Guys and games like that, why haven't they looked at that model and gone, that's a really fucking easy, viable model for us to 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 rip off they've been know? looking at a similar model but it wasn't among us it was uh moba or the Fortnite shit because yeah. guess what uh guess what a part of the new final fantasy 7 compilation is going to be it's going to be ever crisis yeah. right and that is yeah. Fortnite in midgar or whatever essentially right but that's, that still to me feels like too much work right like if you didn't want to put right. any effort in how easy would it be to just clone among us reskin all the characters as final fantasy characters that you can unlock make the spaceship right. different different areas yeah. in final fantasy and just throw that fucker out there they could do that with like a team of 10 people and knock that out within six months too much effort in the wrong direction so like because cyberpunk was recently popular regardless of how the game performs on consoles or whatever we already talked about that but like because it there is a renewed interest in the genre and one of my first introductions, as I'm sure some of our first introductions, like as a group to the cyberpunk genre were in some form was like Midgar in Final Fantasy VII. There's a very yeah. like post-apocalyptic 
futury, like nihilistic thing in that. So why don't you flip the assets that you 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 built Midgar in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it looks amazing. Why don't you set like a little side story in there and make it like a cyberpunk type game, like one of those like like Borderlands kind of like RPG slash shooters, uh, just in. You already have the, you already had, you spent the money to make that already, that world, right? Why don't you do something like that? Rather, they, they'll just be like, no, we'll just create this whole new thing uh, because it follows like a popular business model that is not at all in line with anything they've done historically. They're not like a an, uh, massively multiplayer battle arena company. They don't do that. They don't even make good shooters. Right. Well, this is evident. You know, yeah. You know, it's like they, that's not what they're. They, you know, what's it going to play like? Fucking Dirge of Cerberus. Like, I feel like they haven't done that sort of thing because, for an example, with the things that they've gone back to and stuff, it's always been to. It seems like it's always it's always been all recent. Maybe recently more so, but like it's um. It's going for the like the older crowd, the people our age and stuff, where we're gonna be like, "Oh shit, this is dope! I remember this from a while ago, or you know, a long time ago, whatever it is." And they're bringing it back, and it's gonna be kind of the same, but you know, they're not gonna make that jump to like do something that creative. Maybe in fear that like it's gonna like bounce back negatively to them, and you know, or something along those lines. Right, which is like, when you're saying that, that puts another thought in my head. Like, who actually are they trying to reach with, say, um, the exactly. Fortnite-style uh, Final Fantasy VII? Is because they're not selling it to me? Well, they're right, not selling I'm saying, it to anyone. That's <laughs> the thing. The younger generation who is really into that style of game didn't grow up with Seven. So what are they hoping to catch, like, to ride the coattails of 7 Remake and get a whole new generation into 7, which is not possible because 7 Remake is a sequel, so you have to play the original to understand what the fuck is happening in 7 Remake. Anyway, I digress. Are they hoping that, like, younger kids will play a 7 Remake and then be like, oh, I want more of that, and then play the fucking Fortnite-style 7 no, I think I think they think, and they're probably right, that Final Fantasy 7 fans are fucking idiots and will buy anything that has Final Fantasy 7 on. And going through my own collection of Final Fantasy stuff, yeah, no, we will buy almost anything. Like, I've got fucking book, I've got fucking CDs, DVDs, fucking Blu-rays, games. Well, that's one and... of the problems, man. The fan base has been doing this shit forever, which is the only reason really SE as a company has been able to stay afloat is that Final Fantasy fans will support fucking Final Fantasy. Specifically Final Fantasy fans, because Dragon Quest fans know what they want, and they've been getting the same game for like 30 years. All right, Final Fantasy fans just know that they want to see their favorite characters, and they'll buy the character, they'll buy the plushies, and they'll buy the figures, and they just keep supporting it regardless. There are people who legitimately think that the company is taking a good direction, and fine, whatever. But there's tons of people who really feel the same way we feel. We feel the company is not taking a good direction. We don't like what they're doing, and yet they continue to support it. Look on social media at a Square Enix feed. There are people who refuse to say, what the fuck are you playing at with this bullshit? And just fucking... Yeah. 
know, like when you like you know, like in the, like these old movies, you've got the king and he's just surrounded by dickheads telling him he's doing the right thing, even though he's fucking everything up. That's what I feel like with like enablers. Swearing expands are fucking enablers to the company just producing shit. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. And it's only a rare few. And maybe like we're slap bang in the middle of it because the group we run together, Square Posting, is mostly mocking Square Enix. You know, that's kind of what we do. We mock them for the stupid shit they do. We mock them for the cringe. And we also we also celebrate, you know, we just had a tournament celebrating some of their best moments also, you know, their their best characters, their best job classes. Like we celebrate that, but we also mock them. So for us, it's very easy for us to stand here and go, fuck them. They're, they're producing shit. But there are so many people, especially people in a position that we are in with having a platform, being able to speak, are worried about access, worried about upsetting someone within their office, worried about uh, having diehard fans who will support anything turn on them. Whereas I don't give a fuck. So there's a big, there's like a big shift there that, when you when you go on online, you will just see people applauding every fucking thing they do. You have this new phenomenon, which has now cropped up too in the last 10 years, which is that, um, and I'm not saying anything bad about it, whatever. Uh, there's more like content creators on the internet uh, than, it, than there were, again, a, a decade ago or 15 years ago. Uh, so there's a lot more people out there um, who make a living talking about these games and even specifically just Square Enix titles, not all video games. And these people understand uh, quid pro quo, right? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If I say something negative about the direction you're taking, um, I won't get those early review copies anymore. Uh, that will fuck my money up and then my living will be impacted. So what I'll do is I'll not talk anymore about the games i don't like i won't say sit here and say fuck seven remake because that is very bad for business so what i will do is i will talk about the games uh from the company that i do like which is fine but then what you see is you see all the people in these uh social media communities follow these monolithic figures on the internet whether they're on youtube or they're streamers or whatever and they'll just parrot what they say well well, this person said uh, uh, the company's taking a good direction, so far, and they'll just defend that. You know what I mean? And there's never like really an open forum for no, this is not good. You know what I mean? There's never like that really equal open discussion, and there's not enough scathing criticism. There just is not enough of that. Going back to like the you know us being on square posting and everything too, you can glorify and make tournaments and you know do things that make everyone say you know yeah this is the best class or this is you know the best waifu or like this was the best husband <laughs> tournament or you know the things like that but then like to turn around and like especially kind of maybe because i'm not in so many other fan bases but i feel like the final fantasy fan base love it but are also like the ones who you know, who shit on it the hardest because they know what's wrong with it. They know, well, I mean, everyone's got their own opinions and whatnot, but, you know, everyone has their idea of, you know, when it hit its peak, if it's doing better now, if it was, you know, doing better a long time ago, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here's the thing, because I think you hit on an important point, Larissa, 
which is that specifically Final Fantasy, like we said, like Dragon Quest has been getting the same fucking game for 30 years with the same themes about family and uh, whatever else, I guess. I don't know. There's 30 years there, and all I know is family. Uh, I still have yeah, yet to play fa- 11. Something to do with dragons. Something, um, drag- they're on a que- the dragons are on a quest, dragons are on a quest for their uh, family. No one in the they're West actually plays the these games. Right. So, <laughs> the thing about Final Fantasy is that specifically each entry in the series has been different from one another, drastically different, even in the early days. One and two are not the same. Like I'm playing through two again now, or for the really for the first time now, and one and two are not the same, and two and three are definitely not the same. But yeah, even more different six and seven, even more different nine and ten. So there was this pattern of every game being so different, and each game having their own fans. That when twelve dropped, well, I like twelve. Let's say like when thirteen dropped, people are like, okay, well, it's different, but every entry is different. And then 15 dropped, and it's like, okay, that's different again, and it's not exactly good anymore, but every entry is different. 7R dropped, and then it's like, all right, it's really different (laughs) again. You know, so it's like... um, I'd even interrupt you in between that, but like in between all of those even, you cannot forget the... um, I say this kind of, or I say this 100% sarcastically, um, the masterpiece that was... um, Typo. <laughs> Let us not forget. Um, yeah, this be thy name. name. The only typo I want to talk about is typo negative. Um, right. <laughs> which you are, the, you've got to be their biggest fan because I don't think I've ever heard of that band before I met you. Uh, and then I met you and then I've never heard you stop talking about that band. Yeah. yeah so I might have to get into them. Yeah. No, it's good. I go, I've, 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 um, the Facebook page sega cd universe he's a big typo fan as well so i've I've met like a kindred spirit oh really okay maybe yeah. that's why my feed has been blessed with so much typo negative lately it could be yeah but again i mean just getting back to like there was a, at least on the final fantasy side of things a little bit of that uh i don't know how to say it like waiting for things to get better maybe whatever the word is for that was invited just by the canon was that like every game was so different that you kind of don't like know exactly where it's going now it's been what like 20 years since the last good one and well excluding i guess 14 specifically in the final fantasy camp well that but, that's a good thing to quickly mention i'll let you i'll let you continue but I, just, I just want to mention when a lot of people like it is almost canon canon within majority of the fan base to say 10 was the last good final fantasy um and since final fantasy 10 and kingdom hearts 2 square haven't really been producing good games and then a lot of people will go well near and octopath 14 or 12 and they throw these things out there every now and then a smaller title under square enix published by square enix probably made by someone else hits the nail on the head but they're like anomalies at this point, you know? Rather than being the standard. Yeah. Rather than being when Square Enix was coming out with, uh, th- there would be a new Final Fantasy, but then they would also drop Chrono Trigger and then Parasite Eve. Yeah, now something like Nier or Nier Automata uh, is an anomaly, and you see how they perform. Like, I think Nier just broke, I think Nier just broke four or five million copies moved. 
um, and its budget was only about $30 USD. So that's pretty good. But it is, but then the game is like like five, six years old, you know? Well, yeah, but... It's taken them a long time to build that. It was a Final Fantasy. If they didn't make a couple of million in the first week, they'd be angry. Well, exactly. But the fact that it happened at all and it's a lesser yeah. title or, or lesser known title. In fact, no, I didn't know about Nier at all until Nier Automata. And then I played that. Right. And I'm like, now I want to know. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't care, care about fucking Marvel Avengers or whatever the fucking yeah. the, the Destiny shooter was or Life, Life is Strange 3, Living Colors. Yeah, I don't care about that. What is that shit that made me feel really bad about myself? I want that game <laughs> that's what i want um so well, like, but again made, made me question my humanity that one but that thing is like it's it's look at what happens when you do something that is off the beaten path you get pretty good yeah. fucking results and then you try to cater to a market that is not yours not even doing what people of that market want but your perception of what you think they want in the west or whatever and look at your results as Mar- marvel avengers just, just thinking about it, like logically, Final Fantasy, as we've said, and we're probably going to say the name multiple times, was and is and probably always will be their biggest kind of name that Square have. And you were saying about like creative and taking risks, and a big part of why Final Fantasy has that everyone is different, they change stuff up every time, is that even in their mainstream titles, back in the day, they would take huge fucking risks. You know, if you look at what they did... Um, with Final Fantasy VI, you know, like the world ending midway through the game and being completely ruined and you failing as a hero to only have to like now come back and try and defeat the villain and, and eventually defeat the villain. That's a huge risk in gaming that was not happening before. If you look at Seven, like a game where the main characters are like fucking eco-terrorists, you know, fighting mm. against corporation in a world where there's like magic and also like a futuristic setting like pitching that in the 90s it's not it doesn't go down well same with eight these fucking kids these child soldiers having amnesia fighting against fucking <laughs> like, yeah, that was a cluster yeah, those on kids were fucked up but it's still a risk, right? It's still it's still a risky story. Like nine, not so much because it's just a love song to everything else. But then ten, the story of ten, like actually who Titus is. I don't want to spoil that because I think a lot of people haven't played ten now because it's twenty years old, literally twenty years old this year. Um, like that's a risk. But what they put out now is not a fucking risk at all. It's very soft. It's had the edges cut off. They're not fucking like. They're not drastically just going creatively, let's fucking throw something at the wall and see what sticks and see what fucking happens. But the indie titles and the smaller titles do do that still. But the mainstream titles are just soft, watered-down piss. Well, now it's all about mitigating that risk, right? And I think, again, I think it goes back to the events that led Square Enix, or that led Squaresoft and Enix to merge, which was that big flop that they had. With the spirits mm-hmm. within, again, like a gamble, one gamble that they took did not pay off in the worst possible way. Uh, so now they don't want for the years leading up to now they did not want to do that again. Now it's about transitioning into being a big publisher and just trying to put out shit that people will buy. But again, the heart and soul 
is fucking gone. Yeah, I think it's. I think I've got this theory right that um, Tetsuya Nomura doesn't have any balls. Mm. Like somewhere, somewhere He's along the line. Yeah, somewhere along the line, he he got he got castrated. Um, right. Probably round about the time he finished Kingdom Hearts two. Yeah, and then since since then, his his low testosterone has just seeped into the company, and they've all just started cutting their balls off. Like like the yakuza, they take a finger. They've just been taking their balls. Castration might have happened after they had started seeing how bad he was getting with the character designs and the belts and the chains and the zippers and whatnot. It might have happened. Probably like yeah. yeah. It, maybe it was all about testicular torsion. <laughs> all those all those belts were just about constricting his own personal testicular area. Nomura. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like a sign he's trying to send us that so we're just <laughs> not getting <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that is what happened. I'd believe it. So, so John, you, you did mention this presentation that they did the other week. Was there in your opinion, was there anything there? at all that made you go that could be good i'm kind of hoping that might be good or like did anything catch your eye at all or were you just sort of sat there and went this is all this is all shit yeah bubble bobble four <laughs> no i'm not kidding that was the highlight no i mean you had um <laughs> no it was the highlight don't get me wrong i'm like being completely honest that was the highlight uh what do you call it um Forced. Project Athea, yeah, Forspoken it's called now. The project mm -hmm. formerly known as Project Athea, now Project Forspoken or whatever. But again, like there was no real information that we got about that. But that has more influence from the Square Enix we know because it, it is a, it's a Luminous Productions project. And then Luminous was headed by Tabata, who was more closely associated with the workings of the square enix that we you know like the final fantasy stuff and uh he worked on yeah. parasite eve and fucked that up too but whatever so that like the <laughs> one thing that's kind of connected to what we're all familiar with was probably the highlight of the presentation and still there was no gameplay the entire presentation even with forespoken was a waste of time other than i sat with some friends and we ripped on it that was about it I think that was the only. That's the only good thing that could come from it. Is I made a, a few memes as a result of watching it. You know that that's how I feel about it. Like uh, life is cringe. Uh, that, that was that was the one that stroke hit me straight away. And then foreskin, <laughs> for foreskin. Yeah. Wait, Larissa, you played the first Life is Strange, right? Yeah, I played the first one. When I honestly, when I played the demo for the second one, I was like. I don't know if I could do another game like this with the fucking manipulating time and all this other stuff. Because when I played the first one, I I picked the shittiest answers. Like I was the worst fucking human being in that game. But <laughs> now when I, saw, when I saw the trailer for this one, I I thought it looked interesting, and I do like the I do like the games. You know, like I mentioned earlier, that are like that where it's you know oh you chose this this will have consequences later down the line when i saw it i was like oh okay they're like i feel like they're keeping up with the times in a way too with making you know like people more hipster looking or being more um out there about like 
their sexuality. Ah, why? Why is that the game they're making? We used to go kill God. Exactly. I see that as like, this is the game the CW would make. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But what I was saying, what I was even going for was like, you played the first one. In the first one, she can time travel. In this one, what the fuck does she do? Paint? (laughs) What, does she have a DeviantArt account? What does she do? What's her power? Play, Play bad covers of Radiohead songs. Oh my God. I got up during that part and then I came back and then somebody told me that the a cover of Creep was played, and I just did not believe them. I haven't. It, that actually happened. You're telling me that happened. It, it, that happened, yeah. Um, and that part came on, and I remember thinking to myself too, like, would have been better if they had just not even included that. Like, if it if you just jumped into the game, and at some point she sat down and played it or something. Like to me, I would have gotten like. Like, so fucking hyper versus knowing like okay that's gonna happen at some point No, because here's how the decision works right naughty dog have just done this with ellie in the last of us 2 and had her with her guitar all over the fucking promo images that square enix wanting to be a triple a studio wanting to follow suit have decided that they're going to make their new starbucks game but also have a guitar playing lesbian in it Somewhere in their mind, they sat there and thought that this trailer and someone playing Radiohead on a guitar, I mean, she may as well have been playing fucking Wonderwall. It was that bad, right? It was, <laughs> it, it was just so cliche. Somewhere, hundreds of people greenlit that for this trailer and this announcement. And that's mind-boggling to me that, that there were that many people working in social media, media marketing adverts, people that make the game all sat there and went, you know what this needs to really, really get fans hyped? Radiohead acoustic. See, the crazy thing is, I don't, I never, at no point did I hate Last of Us. Um, it took some time. When 2 came out, I was hyped for it. Um, and I liked that they included, I like the Naughty Dog and whatever included, like Ellie being able to play the guitar and everything. It, you know, it goes with certain factors of the game itself. And actually, I don't know if you know this or not. You know, I have um Ellie's tattoo on my arm. No, I didn't know that. No, well, yeah. I like the first Last of Us game. Well, I mean, we're Pretty all different. Good. I mean, you you like you like the first Life is Strange, and I played maybe the first two episodes of it because they were episodic mm-hmm. when they first came out. Right. And I and I I played that simply so I could make memes about it for Square posting. And I, I had to give up because I was like, this is this is everything I hate about the CW network in a video game. <laughs> so, I mean, I had to stop. But like, we're allowed to have different opinions, you know, like you, you enjoyed it. But then maybe this is the thing. Maybe you're a bit younger than I me. I enjoyed it. But like I said, when I played Life is Strange, I was a I was a piece of shit. Like there's one part where you go through a flashback and your friends your friends in this fucking wheelchair and shit whatever on life support and stuff and i chose the, she asked me to pull the plug on her and i pulled the plug <laughs> and then every all I, mean, when I told my friends they told my friends i did it they my like in real life friends they thought i was some kind of monster and i was like she fucking asked me like that's my best friend what the fuck was i supposed to Dude, do literally were, there and suffer you were doing her a solid 
I'm just doing yeah. her a favor. She asked nicely. She put please. She put pretty please with the cherry on top, dude. You got to pull right. the plug on a pretty please with the cherry on top. My question is, right. why is Square Enix coming out with that? <laughs> That's just my question. Like, why? I mean, isn't there like another publisher or company? Like, why? I mean, again, dude, we used to kill God. We used to kill God, and now uh, this bitch like feels emotions too much in Life is Strange 3, and it's a problem for her. <laughs> she, she has basic human empathy, and that's not, it's, that's her character development. Microsoft did a, like, sort of prevent, presents thing at the end of 2020, and it had four games that I can't remember the name names of. One of them was about, like, a, a twin, and one of them was transgender, and one of them wasn't, and they were, like, in this motel, and there'd been a murder... And then another one was about like a road trip and Microsoft had like four or five of these games. And I was like, these are just like these, there's like a sub genre of games, just like life is strange. Yeah. And I want, I want no part of any of them. Well, you can't forget about the, uh, the magnum opus of this genre. Goodbye volcano high. That is probably <laughs> the highlight. Here's the thing. It's for people who have I, one of two things. Um, Either a Twitter account or a Tumblr account. Not Dignity, but either Twitter or Tumblr. Personality based off of a character in Scott Pilgrim. Right. Which I still need to actually watch. Uh, because I actually, I, I never wanted to watch it, and now I've heard so much about it, and they're going to come out with the remastered for theaters, a remastered version. I'm like, now nah, I got to fucking sit down and review this thing. But um, but okay. yeah, it's some, it, yeah, you're right. There is, it, it's, it's this new woke thing which i'm not, I'm not even we, we don't even need to get into that but it's like my no. question again is why square square enix doing that because that subgenre is as popular to some as um the destiny knockoff is to others as marvel avengers is to others it's just that's fine. yeah it, it's the same thing and and the weird thing is like um the woke argument is just it's, it's try at this point I'm, I'm actually sick of talking about it because it, it, it so many people are doing it but square enix have had video games with characters that can be androgynous they've had trans characters they've had cross-dressing they've had gay characters they've had eco warriors i mean they've had all these things in their games and it was never like a big political statement it was just included in the story so to me it is baffling that square enix then go yeah but you know what we really need a woke game it's like are, you, are some of your themes not woke enough like have you not have you forgotten what you've been doing all this time like even down right. to like strong feminist icons square enix is full of them you know like they, they don't need yeah. to create these modern um and that's what it is it's like a modern version of stuff they did better 20 years ago but it's not it's not like again it's not like they're coming out with the new final fantasy that these are the themes or the new dragon quest that these are the themes they're coming out with separate shit at the same time on kind of a positive note it's different because it appeals to the masses if that makes sense like going back to life is strange like yeah i like final fantasy you know i if it's you know seven or you know one through ten i like the turn shit I didn't want to hop quite on the subject now, but 16, I'm very skeptical skeptical about. But then when you go to like, okay, life is strange. It appeals to me because I'm like, oh, I like the drama 
you know, I like the, just like there, there are little things about it that are just repeating myself, you know, it appeals to no, the I masses. I understand what you're saying. Or, or they want it to appeal to the masses. I think, I think Square Enix, much like many companies are confused to actually what the masses are. Um, I think they see Twitter and go, that's the masses. And that's right. what everyone thinks. But I think if you were to compare Life is Strange sales to near, they don't compete, right? If you were to look at the top 20 yeah. Square Enix games, Life is Strange is not appearing on there. But it does get a lot of social media traction. It does get a lot of, of like there's like a Facebook group dedicated to shipping Life is Strange characters with like 20,000 people in it. So them, they see that and go, fuck, that's awesome. Look how many people do it. But when it actually, when it, when it boils down to money, they keep thinking these things are going to generate them money. They keep thinking that if they appeal to the masses, if we make a Fortnite-style game, if we make a Destiny-style game, if we make an Anthem-style game with Marvel's Avengers, we are going to appeal to the masses. The masses don't actually give a fuck about Square Enix. And to compare that to, like, doing things with, like, movies, like, you know, this was how much this, um, this is how much it cost to produce the movie and everything, but this was how much they made from it. You know, it's, it's similar to that kind of shit. And then it's like, again, I'm not saying the, uh, the market doesn't exist for these things, but isn't there another company that would be doing some of these titles better? Like the Destiny knockoff is not going to outperform the original Destiny. It just no. won't because it's not going to be as good because it's not made by those people. You understand what I'm what I'm saying? But I do. I mean, even it... Bioware couldn't outperform Destiny. Bioware made Mass Effect. They made Dragon Dragon Age. When they made Anthem, it was shit. Like even a company with the um, credentials from Mass Effect to create a shooting game in a sci-fi scenario very well could not compete with destiny in terms of quality you know like what the fuck are square enix doing exactly um but because you mentioned it um i have the top software sales for square enix so not a surprise number one is final fantasy again not a surprise number two is dragon quest number three is tomb raider which was an acquisition um so again, like they'll pick up something like Tomb Raider, it'll do well. They got like Tomb Raider and like Deus Ex or something. Um, what do you call it? But like again, like that—that that was this is part of their direction, their new direction as a publisher yeah. is like let's acquire these properties uh, and push mm -hmm. these out. Uh, so then after Tomb Raider is Kingdom Hearts, then the Mana series, then somehow Saga, then Seven is Hitman. Eight is the Chrono series. Nine is Dragon Guard Near, um, which that will probably go up one or two spots next month when Near Replicant comes out. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then when the phone game goes worldwide, uh, then ten will be Legacy of Kane, and eleven is Space Invaders. That's as far as the list goes. And Legacy of Kane is a so, good one to compare to Life is Strange. There hasn't been a Legacy of Kane game. For a very long time it's almost a dead franchise at this point and life is strange is new right well like 2014 something like that last decade so, for sure yeah so it in in like comparable time if life is strange was the direction that was working for square enix it should be at least higher than something that hasn't had a game since the ps3 era 
you know? Well, not to like mention you would, you... Life is Strange doesn't appear on that list at all. I'm actually looking now at the expanded top 50 list, and Life is Strange is also not on it. It's all just expanded Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and Chrono, and Dragon Quest titles, and some Tomb Raider. <laughs> so Yeah, and it like it's, it's a shame, because they are obviously putting time into advertising this, time into to um presenting this as a viable option but when it comes to who the masses are what the masses are and who is actually buying video games these are not the titles that are getting on that other people are doing them and they have their fans you're not stealing any fans square enix fans are mostly jrpg fans and then you've got titles like near which are more action you've got Deus Ex, you've got Tomb Raider, which they're still pumping out games of. If they just focused on those, focused on quality, I think we wouldn't be having the conversation we're having now. The focus needs to be reallocated because it's not wholly where it should be. But you do have, uh, so Final Fantasy XIV has done well and is only increasing in popularity. Like, all things considered, the game really is good. You and I have our own experiences with it, but. Square Enix did look at that and say, uh, this is doing well. Uh, Yoshi P, or Naoki Yoshida, did really well with bringing this game back from really the brink of destruction. They literally ended 1.0 by the realm being destroyed, and then the next game started with A Realm Reborn. So they had him oversee Final Fantasy 16. Smart move. Um, Final Fantasy 17 will invariably be some more Final Fantasy 13, 15 shit with like J-Rock hairstyles and all that nonsense. But uh, at least 16 will most likely be good. There was a report, now you mention it, there was a report maybe like a few days back that they are not planning another MMO. I wouldn't expect them to. They already have the WoW killer. I can't remember the, these guys' names. They're on YouTube. They make really helpful uh, 14 videos. Work to game. They're really good. Um, they they called it the premier MMO right now. I, bl- I believe that is correct. Like, it's honestly very good. I'm not a huge MMO player. I was when I was a kid. It was never, like, high level, but this is, like, the best one I played. But I'm saying they've also, like, taken Nier, saw the success Nier Automata had, and they're like, okay, um, that's what the game did again with a budget of like fucking 26 cents. Let's fucking pump that up. Let's put a spotlight on that. Let's, uh, reimagine the original near, and then let's give Yoko Taro his reign to do, who doesn't even work at Square Enix, uh, to do that mobile game. And then there'll probably be more in that series future. So it's not, they're not completely disillusioned. Like they're not completely... They've not completely lost touch with what they need to be doing. But what is all this? The the thing is, like, it's my belief that the same thought process that leads to the Destiny knockoff and the Life is Strange 3, the Life is Cringe living in colors or whatever, uh, that is the same thought that leads to the misdirection of something like Final Fantasy 7 and that compilation. That yes. is, it's that's in line with where their thinking was when they thought Final Fantasy 15 would be a good game to put out. And, and when you you mentioned earlier about Konami, that is what that reminds me of. Yeah. That decision making reminds me of Konami who are now basically non-existent 
in video games um, are literally a gambling company. They're making lots of money, but their prestige and their IPs mean fuck all now. And they've lost the West. They have no holding in the West at all. They're literally just a Japan-only developer. And I think Square Enix, they like... Um, they like the adoration from the West more than a lot of other Japanese companies do. If they didn't, then games like Life is Strange wouldn't get made. They're not making that for a Japanese audience. But think about what initially got them or what would become them, what, what was originally Square Enix. Think about what, or Squaresoft, think about what got Squaresoft popular here. In the middle of their creative peak, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Like when they were producing something honest and something true to who they were that blew up here of course in no small part by their hand because they spent so much goddamn money to advertise it here but nonetheless it was a very japanese game that blew up here yeah and it was a japanese game without being super anime there's a distinction because if you look at persona for example yeah yeah it's super anime like it's really fucking anime it's really on the anime spectrum of everything that you would expect to see. It's on a but spectrum. Yeah, it's on some kind of spectrum. <laughs> it's on a spectrum. Sure. And a couple of lists, probably the sex offenders register yeah. while we're at it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the um but Final Fantasy was never like a real like overly anime style series. Like if you look at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, those anime tropes weren't there. But when you look at fifteen, yeah. it's just full of it's just fucking yeah. full of them. Again, it's like a departure of. I I think a part of it is maybe they're just boomers and they fucking don't understand the world that they've inherited, and it's why people like Yoshi P, and it and you know, and it's why the guys who make Near and the designers of Near and everyone who works in that game are all kind of coming up and actually coming out with shit because they're like millennials and then end level gen x and they get it and they grew up on the glory years and they understand the modern times they also understand the glory years and they're able to present something but like the older generation of square enix are just boomers out of touch and just green lighting shit that they have no fucking understanding of well if you look at who is uh who are bigger names in the company now like Tatsuya Nomura was a fucking kid when he worked on 7 as a character designer and yeah. 6 right and now he's he's older now but yeah now he is a boomer who's more or less out of touch like he was a guy who came into the company with what I presume were ideas uh, and they were good at the time and look what's happened since um, and they're just the other dated, thing you know, they're just dated ideas. They're dated, but the other thing too is like how the Japanese like social structure is, um, and how like it that all carries over to their office. So it's like just if you've worked there long enough, like you could be supremely talented, and it doesn't matter. You need to start in the mailroom. You know what I mean? Yep. So you have these guys like uh, Naoki Yoshida or Yoshi P, and then you have these guys like. Uh, uh, Masayoshi Sokin, uh, the composer for 14, who have been with the company forever um, and have at least Sokin has been with them for a long time and haven't gotten a chance to do that much. They were just in the shadows of these 
people who were increasingly becoming out of touch with what the public wanted than these guys who actually themselves play the game that they work on, 14, uh, got a chance to fucking do something, and they completely, totally did it. So but they're rebellious, like, right? The thing is, like, obviously you have the whole, like, senpai fucking, you're older, and by default you're in charge of me, and by default I respect you because of, of the, the length of time you have here. But you look at fucking Yokotaro, the guy doesn't give a fuck. Like, he, he doesn't, <laughs> he, doesn't he, piss, he piss them all off. Yoshi P's another one. Like, he will literally take legitimate shots at other people within the company on his social media, in his own games, right? He would legitimately just take fucking, like, little fucking digs and shots and diss them and fucking mess with them. Because, again, that's that senpai culture, all that stuff, it's probably, like, boomerish now. And it's not so... It's not so yeah. cool with the younger Japanese people. Yeah, and then, so, I mean, like, just going off of what you're saying, um, you have these guys who are probably... Re- rebelling not only against the older way of thought but like people who are representative of that older way of thought which would be people like Namora and Toriyama who are working in business division one or just business division one and Kitase like as a whole right they're probably like these guys are they've come into a stand if I understand it correctly they've come into such a high standing and they're getting like the big projects just at just out of having been grandfathered in to their role in the company rather than by their talents, right? Because, like, Nomura, I'm not saying Nomura can't write, but he, does that make sense? I'm not saying he can't write, but I'm not saying he can write. I'm not saying he can either. You know what I mean? Here's an analogy that Larissa will understand. Nomura is like Vince Russo. He is someone who who seems to have a lot of ideas, sometimes really good ones, but he needs a filter. He needs someone to present his ideas to who can fucking make them work. Yes. But the thing is, when you are coming up in a very traditional society like that, um, when the social ladder and the corporate ladder is as it is, and it's very much the same thing, um, when you just have to respect your elders who came before you, either in your family or in the company, and your elder is Tetsuya Nomura, it's like you kind of want to rebel against that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would make sense to me. That's what I would do. It's like, I, I would like to, because obviously I don't know, and I don't think it's widely known, but I'd imagine things like Gact being involved in the Seven compilation comes from a guy like Nomura, who is a fan of his, you know, just fanboying and throwing this stuff in it. And it's like, when you've got someone making decisions like that, and you look at the kind of weird shit Namora does, he does need to be reporting to someone. No matter how long he's been in the company, he still needs to go to, is this okay? Like, he still needs to have someone go, that's bullshit, come on, mate, turn it down a bit. And then they turn the volume down and go, this is a really good idea, now we've removed these three elements that fucking suck. Well, I mean, you saw what became of that. Like, that became a constant problem, the fact that they used Gact's likeness, right? Yeah. Not just that. Um, I feel like the doing the Gact thing was like, I don't have that great of an idea, so maybe let me throw some influence from someone that I like. Or, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, th that makes sense. Yeah, they've gone, hmm, I need to make this new villain. I fucking love Gact. I'm just going to make him look like Gact. A little bit like, you know, how almost every fucking Final Fantasy drawing looks like David Bowie. Yeah. Oh. but and, You know, like... And it's not a bad idea on paper, but at the end of the day, like, that was probably a company oversight with how uh, the image of his likeness would be used, like, going forward. That was just a collective misstep for them. But, um, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, and it is a good idea, but Tetsuya Nomura specifically is a guy who tends to get, like, locked into, um, like, time frames and then, like, lose touch with them. So, like, Gact was fucking relevant when Crisis Core came out. He's not now. So that doesn't hit the same... Uh, the Genesis character does not hit the same now if someone were to just play Crisis Core for the first time as when it came out. The same thing is true with the character designs of Final Fantasy XV. Um, Noctis looking the way he does does not make sense as much now or even 2017 when the game came out as it did in 2006 when the first trailer dropped. Yeah, when Nomura drew that, because he loved fucking Visual Kai Japanese bands, and he loved fucking emo. Like, when I was saying about, like, um, with David Bowie, like, obviously, that's Amano loved David Bowie. So, a lot of his artwork looks like David Bowie when he does character designs. Actually, I think it was yesterday. It was uh, Amano's 69th birthday. Well, so happy but birthday to him, then. Yeah, no, because I like his artwork. A lot of people shit on it. Shout out to Lavar, uh, one of our uh, mod members. Fucking hates his artwork. But <laughs> but I personally really like it. I've tried to buy some. I tried to buy a, 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 a literally hand-drawn terror painting that he had. Or someone was selling on eBay for two grand. And I was I was bidding on it. And it ended up selling for like six grand. And I was like, I'm... I'm bowing out. I'm not paying that much. I wanted I wanted it for the studio. And um, I just had a tax rebate. So I was like, two grand, fuck it. I'm getting it. But it, most of his drawings look like David Bowie. He also has a book of portraits of David Bowie that he has done. And um, I remember seeing them after Bowie died, actually. I didn't know about them until then. Like he's done it so many times. There's like pictures of, of Sephiroth he drew, and they just look like pictures of David Bowie in 1995. You know, like there's just like all these parts that he did, and that was a muse. But they didn't license David Bowie for the fucking game. What they did with with um, Gact was license the fucker to be in the game. There's um there's a game that came out on the PlayStation called Apocalypse that has Bruce Willis in it, voiced acted the whole game. They cannot ever legally release the game again because the license with Bruce Willis has run out now. So the game is like rare because they could never re-release it, remaster it. They can't do anything with a game they made because they do not have a license for Bruce Willis. And it's the same thing with Gact. But there's a difference between, like, let's say, draw... in the game, his name is Emperor Palamecia, right? Or he's just the Emperor yes. Palamecia. Regardless, um just using like parts of the hair as a likeness right because that is the one most like spitting image kind of example i can yeah. think of um and then coming out with the game then like now we look back on it it's an old game but coming up with the character design for noctis 
and you know the men uh, who were in his tow, right? Uh, Gladio and all them. And then coming out with the game fucking ten years later is a problem. In like it was at one point in touch, and it was in the right time frame. Even if they came out with the game three or four years later, uh, just problems with leadership, problems with direction. It, again, it boils back to the point of this episode: is like, have they changed? Have they lost their spark? And like maybe we need to just have a little final verdict on that because I think the stuff that happened with fifteen, I I feel sorry for Mamuron because he had the rug pulled from under him like four or five times when making that game, and then he ended up like leaving it and not making the game and moving on to another project, and other people finished it off. It it's you know, I feel sorry for him because we never actually saw his finished vision in the game at all. We, Whatever he wanted to do with that game, we didn't see. And he's such a bitter little prick that even threw it in Kingdom Hearts 3 to kind of show us like what, like he still hasn't given up on his original version of that mm-hmm. game at all with the Vera Mech stuff. You know, he's still very bitter and upset about it. And I'd imagine some of that might have helped, might have... Um, influenced some of his decisions in the seven remake as well i think some of what he wanted to do in that has leaked its way into that it's leaked its way into kingdom hearts he's kind of like pushed these ideas onto other projects but i'll start with john pre-2005 square enix versus square enix today which would you say is better it's tough as a whole um the earlier incarnation of square enix uh, would have to take it because if you're looking at it now as a whole, you're also taking into account all of the other bullshit that nobody really wants um, with spatterings of other gems in there, like uh, like near, you know, um, yeah. with things like, uh, I mean, there are a, a lot of people who legitimately liked, say, 7 Remake. Um, Dragon Quest still goes strong. Uh, the fan base for Dragon Quest is still going very strong. Uh, so there are Listen, they want to eat there. vanilla ice cream every day. I'm, just let them. Right, exactly. So that is, uh, as a whole, the pre-2006 uh, or whatever uh, Square Enix is stronger. It's not, it's not like an all-hope-is-lost sort of thing, because if it was, they would not be putting on these giant presentations with all of these games. Um, in terms of what I like to see... Uh, I'm I'm kind of glad things worked out the way they did because I am glad that, say, uh, Final Fantasy 16 will take the direction it's going to take. Um, I'm glad that more of a spotlight will be on games like Nier. You know what I mean? I just wish yeah. there was more honoring of that creativity elsewhere. Uh, no, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if I answered your fucking question correctly. <laughs> but that's what I have for you. Yeah, no, no. And Larissa, the, the same thing, you know, like then V's now. I mean, just being me, I prefer the pre-2005 period. As far as everything is going right now, I I wish they would stop with like the remastering, you know, we're putting this on the Switch, we're doing this, we're blah, blah. Like I said, doing the extra shit like that they don't need to do coming out with things that are like more maybe original more genuine more 
shit if they have to go back to like the drawing board to get back to the basics type shit you know just to get the fan base and everything back because so far i other than way less than a handful of things i've seen stuff i've like come out of it recently i wanted to say was it last like august or september when you did that live when square Enix was coming out with the stuff i think it was like live on youtube or something you put it on facebook live yeah so i was at well i was at work but i didn't have shit to do so i was watching that and i remember seeing that they were going to bring like more soundtracks, like, and then the lo-fi stuff, which is really cool, which is, like, stuff that I look forward to, but other than that, that's really about it so far. The the lo-fi soundtrack, I know it's on Spotify at the moment, it's really fucking good. It's, it's actually Great. incredible. Listen. I've played it, it, I've played it at least <laughs> 10 or 20 times while I'm, like, walking through work. It just, yeah, it goes. It goes uh, the day. But like like when I was saying that like you mentioned the word genuine and oh. I think I think that is what well, the biggest problem with Square Enix today is versus Square Enix of old. What they're doing today is not congruent with who they are. It's not authentic, it's not genuine, it is copying other people, it's kind of knocking off, it's not even when it comes down to just remastering or remaking old games, like they're just rehashing shit. There's there's nothing authentic or genuine about modern day Square Enix as a whole until you start looking through a microscope at say Final Fantasy fourteen, which is such a polarizing game. There there are there are Final Fantasy fans who will sit there and say four, five, six are their favorites, they're the games they love the most. And I'm like, why are you not playing fourteen? Like what literally why are you not? Because it's an MMO. Um You've got near. You've got the the uh, a lot of what they do on the Switch is really good as well. But outside of those pockets, what what we see from Square Enix now is not authentic. Like the oh. presentation, the most recent presentation could have been someone else. Like there was nothing about that presentation that screamed Square Enix to me. No, no. not at not all. Honestly, and and mm. I think that. That's the problem, right? That's that's where we're at. We're at this problem where Square Enix, uh, as we started with, don't know who they are. And then when you actually look at it, maybe Square Enix do know who they are. They're just fucking lying to themselves about who they are. Well, if you want to get maybe. metaphorical about it, oh, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I think they want, they've always had that desire. Um, like any, like you talked about any company, like that, it's about the bottom line. If they see uh, that they can increase their margins, if they can see they can get make more product, or more more profit by acquiring another IP or whatever it is, developing a new game that nobody really wants to play, that they think people want to play, then they're going to do that. Um, I think the sales themselves have remained pretty self-explanatory. It's just a matter of time, right? It's a matter of time of them kind of figuring it out uh, and hammering, you know, kind of zeroing in back on these franchises that made them big in the first place or their new, more promising franchises that will carry them forward. As we finish up, predictions for Square Enix. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold one first. 
I think they're going to get bought out by Sony within the next five years. That's my big prediction for Square Enix. We'll start with Larissa. What predictions do you have for Square Enix future? Based off of what we've seen as of recent, I feel like what they're struggling with the most now, and I want to finish it on this note, is the quality like versus quantity. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the opposite. No, I know exactly what you mean. So do we come out with more of the mobile games because we know that people are going to download them and pay the money and et cetera, et cetera? Well, that's or, you know, the mobiles I don't think are going uh, to go anywhere. Um, even if even like service time. ends for the Kingdom Hearts mobile game, like that, that a new one will take its place. There's still Opera Omnia. There's still the near mobile game. That'll just always be a constant thing because that is an undeniable part of where the market is going. Yeah. Uh, is towards but what, I, I think that bubble is going to burst. I think there was a point where people were playing mobile games. Like, you think of the, the heights of Candy Crush, that era, mm-hmm. right? We're talking a couple of years back now, maybe five years ago now. That's I'm over. Yeah. That That's over. That, that fucking height of mobile gaming is over in the West. It's not as big as it was. In fact, console gaming, especially with things like the Switch being a travel device, have kind of overtaken in the West mobile gaming. It's kind of moved away from mobile gaming. But in Japan, mobile gaming is fucking huge. So we might not we might start seeing fewer ports of the mobile games in the West, I think. Yeah. Hopefully. How about yeah, that? hopefully. How about yeah. Hopefully, yeah. So, so John, you know, so Larissa is hoping of a return to to quality over quantity, but thinks that mobile games will continue. I think they'll get bought out by Sony. What are your predictions for Square Enix in the future? Also, don't doubt to agree with you, Sam. I don't doubt that they're gonna, or yeah, that Sony will buy them out. Uh, it's a good question. I don't. If they do get bought out, I don't think it would be for a little while still. Um, but I am optimistic for the future. I'm optimistic for Final Fantasy 16. I'm optimistic for... I don't think really the future of Dragon Quest has ever been uh, a problem. Like they've seemed to almost get stronger with every entry the fan base has grown stronger yeah they're um, like the the turtle and the hair right you know final fantasy has been the hair right. and it's just raced off in the west it's got to the front and dragon quest just plodded along and got bigger and bigger as it plods yeah. along slow and while and it isn't for, slow and steady but it delivers the same experience time and time again fans know what to expect and the fans that enjoy it fucking love it and continue to follow it wholeheartedly. So I agree. And I don't here's think the deal. And here's why they can't get bought out by Sony, because then you don't get the triangle stratagem, right? Then you don't get the bravely default, which is True. still like these are parts of their fucking market that are, this is the, um, which is still like these are parts of their fucking market that are, this is the, um, this is that classic, jrpg turn-based itch that they still managed to scratch uh in some way or form with gameplay at least i don't know about story 
uh, reviews have not been all that favorable in terms of uh, story with things like Octopath Traveler and things like uh, Bravely Default, right? But um, I'm optimistic for the future. I think there is something there. I just think it's a matter of realizing, like with the what, what, with the inevitable complete failure of Avengers. Um, this new shooter game that's going to come out, and I don't know what Forspoken is going to do. I haven't, even, we haven't really seen too much about it. Uh, there's going to be these failures. They're taking these. They're trying to push these properties that are not really going to do well. We know that. They're going to take the L and they're going to learn from it. Um, maybe that will end up with them being bought up, but I, I don't think, uh, I don't think it'll go to that immediately. But I'm optimistic. I think, uh, I think we're going to get some pretty good things in the next few years. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And um, the f final question on this is, we'll start with John first. Do you think, how do you think the influence of the West has been on Square Enix? A positive or a negative experience overall? Like the just the influence of um, Western culture, Western social media, Western games. Do you think it's been a positive or a negative towards Square Enix as a whole? It's weird because you have both. You have both you do get a uh, bit positive both, yeah. and negative. Um as far as social media is concerned, uh, there's been a lot of positive. There's been a lot of love in the West for some of the better Square Enix titles in the last few years, but there has also been a lot of toxicity and a lot of blindly accepting of recent Square Enix titles that have not been that good simply because they are of a certain brand. Yeah. Uh, so I think, again, it's a little bit of both. I think the negative outweighs the positive in this one in feedback from the West. Um, yeah. But time will tell. I mean, again, as they come out with these new titles, uh, some under different leadership and different direction, hopefully Western feedback will be as kind to these newer titles uh, as they were to the same old thing before. Yeah, no, I know you feel. I mean, I think what they need to do is they need to take less from the West and then do more of what other Japanese companies are doing right. and sell Japan to the West and just let me buy a Tifa body pillow. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the best case scenario for everyone. You know, that's, maybe so that's if what they I'm just asking for. Threw you one for being this guy or sick, right? Yeah, and exactly. Little... Uh, yeah, or at least at least a two B flashlight, a little loot crate. That's all anybody's asking for, right? <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. loot crate, dude. So, same question to you, Larissa. As of late, I've um uh, definitely been a bit more negative. Um, media definitely doesn't help with that. Um. And like the scoring things and everything, I feel like that's had have a good amount to do with that as well. Yeah, it's hard on us as Square Enix fans to to just idly accept it. And you know, John mentioned earlier about the, the when Square Enix became one, and it lessened the competition. Um, both you and I are pro wrestling fans. 
And we know all too well what happens when one wrestling company acquires the other, because we saw it with the WWE buying WCW 20 years yesterday to the date. Yeah, 20 years yesterday from recording this, 20 years yesterday to the date. It has been downhill for the WWE ever since in terms of quality. Like, profits have gone up. They had spikes, but other than that, yes, downhill. Really similar, right? It, it, and then every now and then they have their moments of like pure excellence. You got a Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. You know, you got a this or a that, right? Which, which you get made the theme. up. You know, you get something like you know a character that fucking stands out, or a match that's five stars. Every so often, you get this huge thing that you're like, "This is fucking awesome." But mm-hmm. if you were to look at the timeline as a whole it starts to go downhill, like just slowly disappears down that, that path. And I think maybe Square Enix have done that. But as we've seen with the WWE, their profits have gone up. Um, their name value has gone through the roof. They're more mainstream than ever before. They get movie offers. They get TV show Definitely offers. more of a family or yeah. thing. And after and maybe the, that's what that area obviously had a big thing to do with that. Yeah, and you know, maybe that's just where she Square Enix up. heads. Right. You know, Square Enix just heads in that direction where it is more family friendly, more West friendly, but they make more money. Mm-hmm. And we will us as fans will just find things similar to what we used to like from them from elsewhere because their new fan base is going to support them no matter what. And we just have to look for an alternative and watch New Japan or All Elite or the Indies. You know, and that's just, that's where we go. And it's the same thing with Square Enix. We just find mm. Atlas or someone else to, to follow instead. Right. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Atlas too. So I did the, uh, I got the Catherine full body. And because I played the first one on the 360, a lot of fun. I, and you it's know, fucking, really, it's difficult, right? It's a some it of the is, puzzles, like some of some of the climbing is like you've got to be fucking smart to get through it. Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah, it took it took. Ugh. Dude, if I could have, I can't even count as many <laughs> as many fingers as I have. Matt almost fucking rage quit that goddamn game, but. No, I did. I've rage quit Catherine, the original Catherine, maybe five hundred times at this Hard. point. Yeah, but I've always yeah, come back to it. But yeah, like whenever I turn it off, I'm always turning it off because it's pissed me off. Now tell me one thing, because this happens to me too. When I turned it off, I would keep thinking about the fucking puzzle. Yes, every fucking time. I do oh, move those three, then push them over, then move those two, then push it over one more. Like I yeah, I get yeah. fucking mad. And then I look over and I'm like, okay, it's five in the morning. I have to be up in fucking three hours. I'm not about to go hop in the fucking game again. Yeah. Like, weird. But Atlas are doing things with JRPGs now and, and that's a puzzle game. But they, they're presenting stuff that appeals to me now the way Square Enix used to appeal to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's it. I, I want to just end on a high note. They have produced over my 36 years 
on this planet in this plane of existence more positive memories for me than negative if i'm being honest and i you know i know john will feel the same and i know you probably feel the same more positive has come from that company than negative and while we like with us being critical that comes from a love of the product and a love of what they have put out that when they release stuff that kind of goes against what we know them for and the quality drops and the sales seem to drop too with a lot of this stuff us as fans don't want to see what we love go away because of bad mistakes so a lot of people might misconstrue us sitting there going man some of this stuff shit as hating on them when the reality is it's not hate it's just being honest so yeah um listen thanks for listening guys i know it's been almost a month without an episode um i've been on lockdown in guernsey so my studio's been off lift limits uh some of the guys who come to the studio have actually been working a hell of a lot over the part over lockdown a lot of them still had to go to work i also basically I'm not going to say broke my ankle, but I tore some ligaments in my ankle. So I've been in a lot of pain with that as well. And yeah, the past month, uh, we've not been able to bring as much content to you as I would have liked. But things are picking back up now. I've got a wrestling episode next week. Um, and then Larissa will be coming on for another wrestling episode in like maybe two weeks time. And I guess the three of us, me, you, and John, are going to do a couple more episodes in the meantime as well. And hopefully I'll have the guys back in the studio. I've noticed some people have still been buying merch from the old store. Thank you for that. However, the new store is going to launch within the next few weeks, and there's going to be more designs and more options. So if you are thinking about buying merch right now, just hold off for a few weeks because the new store, I'm waiting on the samples to arrive so I know the quality level. And I'll have all that for everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. This is us signing out. Cheers. Cheers.